0: be better not to faint, the Bible says they shall walk and not grow weary, they shall run and not faint, so don't be faint, I'm going to just continue along, I like that saying, don't know if it has anything to do with what we're trying to talk about today, but those that are about to die, salute you, yeah, we need to embrace the death of the Lord Jesus Christ so we can also embrace the resurrection of Christ in us. Those two things need to go together. <clears throat> and uh, I got something that's in my mind and I don't know why it is. I'm just going to have to share it with you and through the course of the next millennium <clears throat> maybe God will give us understanding. I was looking at Noah this morning and I was, some, something kind of just struck to me. They built the ark for 120 years. There was Noah and his family and he had three sons which were all married. Do you know what was really weird about that? Only eight people got on the ark. For 120 years, they never had children. Isn't that weird? I never thought of that. Selah. (laughs) And then after they get out of the ark, God says, be fruitful and multiply. So there must be a plan there. Don't look at me like I don't have the answers. But wouldn't it have been nice to have a lot of grandkids around and a whole family? And I mean, 120 years they should have kids and grandkids and uncles and aunts. But only eight people got on the ark. Wow. Wonder why? Now, I don't know. I could speculate, or I could expect expectigate. But <clears throat> but you know, sometimes we just wonder what God's doing. Well, He's got a perfect work. And everything's got a time. For 120 years, no family. Eight people got on the ark. Could have been a whole lot more. Have you ever wondered, you know, it's, it doesn't just seem like a waste what God's doing? Well, he's got a great plan. And we're going to look at that. Anyway, I just thought I'd share with that because that was really bothering me this morning. Never, never thought of it before. Eight people got on the ark. Could have been. Back then, I mean, they had, you know, lots of children. You know, could have been lots of people on there. God seemed to want eight people getting on the ark oh boy hallelujah the call of God, God meets us along the way and our lives are changed forever God calls us in, 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 certain, in certain ways Noah let's just start with Noah, Noah is there just life and God meets him in the way and calls him Abraham, God meets with him in life and calls him. Then we keep going on. David just happens to be delivering some food to his brother and God calls him. We see that Peter is just fishing and Jesus meets with him. Mark is collecting taxes and God calls him. Paul, Saul, is on his way to Damascus and God meets with him in life. He meets him along the way. And in almost every one of those situations, and you're going to see the difference, When God meets with them along the way in life, the life-changing character is they receive the eternal Word of God as the call from heaven. Where Paul says, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's not an argument. I mean, Mark... Was it Mark? Levi? I think it was Mark. Who was collecting taxes? Matthew. He didn't say, Well, you know, I'm a servant. I have to collect taxes. I just can't leave my table. All of those things would be right. But when we do not hear the voice of God as the voice of God, as the eternal voice, the next thing that comes up is argument, reasoning. The young rich ruler went away sad because he had some arguments in his mind. The Pharisees went away angry and bitter, not receiving, having heard the word of God, but they couldn't rectify it in themselves. In order to obey God... We must disobey ourselves. And this is something that we come across every day in our lives. God's call to us. And again, we talked about last week that our call with our relationship with God in this time is really an uncomfortable relationship. It's not just smooth and everything's going well. To have a relationship with God, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We have to press in to know Him. One of the easiest things to do is to ignore God. One of the easiest things to do is to be unfaithful. And we have to be faithful to the call that God has called us to. There's a general call, and I was thinking about this, and we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, we can actually be in the will of God in the congregation and actually be doing a lot of the the real... You know, we can actually be going to church. We could be going to temple. I'll I'll use the children of Israel. We could be burning the sacrifice. We would go picking up manna. We could actually be taking the Sabbath day off and still grieve God. It says with that generation, God was grieved with them for 40 years, and they never went in. But if you would look at them, they seem to be doing all the right stuff. But there comes a few times in our life where the eternal voice of God speaks to us, and that call needs to change me eternally. If you would have seen Joshua and Caleb, they would have gone out picking up manna. They would have been going to the temple. You would not be able to see anything different. But yet there was something different working in their life. And that something different is the call of God, is the vocation which God has called you, and it's a willingness, a volunteer, a love that says, Lord, I apprehend that call, which means I must disobey myself. Sober-minded. A lot of us, and that's a good word, you know, it's not, something we don't like to talk about, being sober-minded. Most of us are not sober-minded. We just let bing, 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 things go through our head and we just speak. There needs to be a thought process and saying, God, is this according to your will? Is this according to the call of God? Is this going to keep me? So we had the children of Israel for 40 years seeming to do the right thing, but their hearts were hardened. But you couldn't tell it. One of the big things that comes up is when Joshua, the the 12 spies are sent into the land. They all saw the same thing. They all have the same call. But some will leave the tax table and some will leave their nets and some will come up with excuses. Some will not disobey themselves. The call of God must crucify you. The call of God has to kill you. There has to be a decision that says, I choose to serve the Lord. Isn't that what Joshua said? As for me and my house, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. And so the, the, the spies go in and ten of them Said, We're not, we, we can't go up and take it. There was this, that, and the other thing. And two said, let us go up at once and take the land. Now, you would think if you're speaking by faith and preaching the word, that the ten would go, yeah. How many people believe that? Well, that's a misconception. And Jesus is the gospel message, and Jesus Christ Himself is the ultimate proof of that. And sometimes we say, well, if God was speaking, of course we would know. What it does is it, it brings a division. The sword brings a division. The word of God brings a division. And immediately, do you know what the the others wanted to do to the two that were serving God and wanted to follow the call of God? Let's kill them. Let's kill them. We want to silence that voice. And within each one of us, the natural man. See, the natural man, the sin nature is he that has crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And as as Pat was saying, is something that I've been meditating on is that we need to be Aggressively practicing the word. I need to be speaking it. See, outside, the thing that made Joshua and Caleb and those that have their life eternally changed, separate from the different, the other ones, is that outside of temple time, outside of manna time, outside of Sabbath time, outside, they're doing and believing and speaking the word of God. That controls their life. And so we have the children of Israel. Let's turn to Matthew 24. And I hope I can bring this together. I have, this is an old Bible, but it's a new Bible because my other Bible is falling apart. And so I'm going to take some time to find stuff in it. But Matthew 24. Something that the Word of God seems to put a tremendous emphasis on Is the word faithfulness. And it's something that we can become, we can despise very easily because it doesn't look like you're doing anything. It's boring. It's not an infatuation. But it seems quickly in the kingdom of God that God wants to turn our puppy love or our infatuation into real service, real love, or faithfulness. Sign on the backboard says, faith is obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. There has to come a place where infatuation turns to love and faithfulness. See, when the children of Israel first come out of Egypt, they're jazzed. And you would think, man, these people would never forget God. And I'm thinking, they're thinking that. But see, it was based on emotion. I mean, God was moving... But they're coming out of Egypt, the plagues are there, the Pharaoh's being destroyed, and they're like, wow, infatuation. Many people get infatuated and they think it's love when they kind of fall in love when they get married. They think, oh, this is going to last forever. This is so wonderful. He's the most handsome and he's, he's the most beautiful and we're going to get along. And we're, we're rudely awakened by someone snoring usually. I go, what is her deal? Well, it's His deal. Well, there's a purpose for that. God never doesn't want to just keep us infatuated. He doesn't want to keep us showing us the new thing. He wants a response that deep answers to deep. And so the children of Israel, once the, 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 the dog and pony show was over, they actually had to then exercise faith. They actually had to fall in love with God and His calling. There's a call that... We cannot serve God apart from the call whereby He's called us, and somehow I need to embrace that call, or I'm going to turn to hate Him. Jesus said, "Either going to love." You can't serve two masters. You might be picking up money, you might be going to church, but God wants more than that. He wants our minds changed. He wants us to apprehend Him and fall in love with Him through faithfulness or in faithfulness. Paul talks about I've not been disobedient to the heavenly calling. He was faithful to that. There was things that came against him. Temptations came against him. Church came against him. The devil came against him. Own thought. He was, and the thing that he sums up at the end of his life is not only that he was faithful, he was not disobedient to the heavenly calling. He says, I have finished my course. There was a work given to him. And many times we cannot... Those things are not seen by the naked eye. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God. It's hidden. There's a mystery at work, and I want to get to that. But I want to lay this foundation as well in uh, Matthew 24. Verse 37. But as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood they were eating, drinking, marriage and giving in marriage until the the day that Noah entered into the ark and they knew not until the flood came. Now as I was reading that besides not having a big family if you were to look at all those people you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. See and the the funny thing is Noah and his family were involved in all those things. If you went around dinner time Noah and his family would be what? What? Eating and drinking. They were married. They were doing this. They were actually going... You couldn't say, oh, Noah is right there. And no, something else was at work in their heart. There was a response to the call that while doing all the things that we are called to in life, something else is at work. The mystery of the kingdom. Now, the infatuation, I think... We have to wrap our brains around God and we're going to have to really start to hate our lives. I was reading about Abraham. Abraham is, I think, 99 years old. And God comes to Abraham and says, I want to establish my covenant with you forever. Infatuation rises up. God wants to use you. God has called you. God wants to have an everlasting covenant with you. What would God ask you to do? What do you think God would ask you to do to establish His everlasting covenant with you? Do you know what He did? I want you to circumcise every man in your house. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Why would God ask you to do... He's 99 years old. And He's got servants. Could you imagine... God spoke to me <laughs> how ridiculous is God speaking to you today because it was Abraham that went around and circumcised his family someone had to hear an eternal call I'm thinking what a ri- why would God do that well, I don't know probably because it was like you know pretty strange Nowadays, you know, we, we, it's still pretty weird. But, we've become accustomed to it. That's the first time. yeah. And God told me to do this. Oh yeah, we know. Did you hear God? If you don't hear God, run. But see, Abraham had a work to do. Now, could, could Noah remain a child of God? See, it's the faithfulness to the end that God accounts of great value. Let's say Noah built the ark for a 50 years and then just stopped. Would he be obedient to the call? Oh, What if the work got boring? What if he just got tired? What if he cut his hand? What if his wife did? And what about this? The call of God is the call of God and it's meant to change me, to leave the tax table, to leave the the fishing net and to follow Jesus the infatuation quickly wears off I'm called to save the world how are you going to do that well I'm going to be a carpenter for 120 years while in all the time I'm still I don't look any different than anybody else I'm still having to eat still having. and so the, what God is saying is just in, as it was in that day so is it going to be now there's not going to be a whole lot of difference People are going to be doing what they're doing, but yet there is a difference. And I believe we have been called to build the ark of God. We have been called to the work of God, and that work has to be fulfilled. doesn't matter if we started well, but it's those that finish, it's those that endure to the end. It's the faithful servant. Now, infatuation has to turn to faithfulness. That happened in Peter. The first call was, wow, okay, he thought he could do it, ready to cut a guy's ear off, ready to do this, ready to call down fire, walking on water. And 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 it was real. But it was not faithfulness. It wasn't his mind had not totally yet been converted to where, Father, Lord Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Direct my life forever. And Jesus appears to him, not out of infatuation now, to a broken man a man that has emptied of himself. His all hope is gone. And he comes and says, Do you love me? Noah, if you love me, continue to build the ark. Abraham, if you love me, circumcise your family. David, if you love me. Paul, if you love me. This morning, if you love me, hear His Word. He has a call, and His call is to build the work that He has called you to do. Paul didn't say, I finished every work. I have finished the course given to me. Hallelujah! And that's the work that I am only interested in. I could care less about this or care less. I've got an ark to build. And pretty soon that infatuation, oh man, the thrill of hearing God. I'm here to save the world. And again, circumcision. How? Save the world? It would take 120 years to build it. If you're going to save the world, why don't you just save the world? Something far greater in God's mind and God's purpose in store for you. And we are now ark builders. And we're going to look at what that ark is. But many times we cannot just tell by the outward circumstances. Here Noah's eating and drinking. The other people are eating and drinking. But the purpose of heart, his mind then is Around this eternal word that I have been called to do this and day after day it doesn't look any different matter of fact he's bringing more upon himself greater hardship because he's having to do all the stuff that the world does and the work of God we've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision God is always going to appear a little foolish to you the relationship to have to draw near to God is going to be uncomfortable you're going to have to disobey yourself you're going to have to put down every reasoning. See, Peter didn't say, well, drop your nets and follow me. Well, you see, I have this and I have that, and my father and I have to obey, and you're still walking, picking up manna. I'm speaking to you of the eternal word. See, we can get caught up. Well, I have to pick up manna. I have to keep the Sabbath. And eventually the Pharisees became that, keeping the Sabbath, tithing on mint and cumin, doing doing that, and he said, you have missed my heart. I am speaking to you. I want your life. I want you to know me. I want you to fulfill my call. Put that aside. Put, well, no, I can't put that aside. See, I am... Put it aside. Hear God's call. Faithfulness. Okay, so we see that, that there's going to be things... just normal life is going to be going on. But in this normal life where God is going to meet you, He's going to show up at your tax table. He's going to show up in the field. See, and then later on it goes on, it goes on actually to say, there's, there's, many people think this is talking about the rapture. There's going to be two people working in the field. You can't tell the difference. What are they doing? Looks like they're doing the same thing. They're hacking down wheat, put, picking up pawpaws, putting them in their basket. And there they are, they're doing it, and one's going to be taken. Well, why was that one taken? Always oh, cutting wheat a whole lot better. No, something was work in them, that in this normal course of life, what seemed to be normal was abnormal. Because they had grasped hold of a vision, they had grasped hold of the eternal Word of God, and it was working in them. And that changes whatever I put my hand to. And it's meant to do that. It's meant to change your life. So here's two going to be driving. Two are going to be doing. Going to be, and one's going to be taken. Why? He's been doing the word that God has called him to do. I believe we are called to build a specific work of God. I believe just like Noah was called to build a specific ark, not a little dinghy, not a Titanic boat, not a jetliner. He wasn't called to kill Goliath. He could have done all of those things. Could have prophesied in his name, healed it. Abraham, Noah, this is what I expect from you. Abraham, this is what I expect from you. Do you love me? Will you hear that? Well, I think... Lord Jesus, this is what I have for you. And so forth and so on, until it comes to this day and it says, Hello, I have something for you. I have ordained and ordered your life so far that I have a work for you. Now, faithfulness needs to be kicked in because we can have, we can be servants and be unfaithful servants. See, sometimes we think because we know Him and we're saved and we're servants, everything's okay. The Bible's going to talk here of unfaithful servants. Servants that hear the Word, know what to do, but just get tired of doing it. They don't, they're tired of denying themselves. They're tired of being at a doormat. They're tired of other people getting used and them not being used. They're tired of always having... They're tired, they're tired, they're tired. The Bible says, stop being tired! Strengthen those that get tired. How many people get tired? I get tired all the time. I'm tired of preaching. I'm tired of living. Tired of seeing your face. What does that matter? It doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, that's part of God's plan. The infatuation has to whittle away that faithfulness can remain. Joseph, oh, he was going to be used of God. Little punk. starts bragging, infatuation. God was going to change that to faithfulness, to where God had a purpose. It wasn't about me. As a matter of fact, in order for his purpose to be done, I have to be ground to powder. I have to go. So we have a choice today, tomorrow, and every other day to either be a faithful servant, an obedient servant, to the call that God has. Not picking up pawpaws, Not picking up man and not going to church, but a response to saying, I'm building the ark. And my entire life, even though I might be involved in other things, is geared that way. I want to be the servant that's taken, not the other one that's there. Two people in the field. Have you ever said, I don't look any different than anybody else? I do the same thing? Noah did the same thing. There wasn't a whole lot of difference between Abraham and everybody else. He might have had a harder life. The difference is the response to the Word of God. Two shall be taken. We saw one shall be taken. Okay. Where is that now? Okay. 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his house to give them meat in due season? Blessed is the servant who his Lord, when he comes, shall find him so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall be ruler of many good things. But if, but if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord, of that, the Lord of that servant shall come. And in that day when he looks on him and in that hour when he's not aware, basically he'll be cut off. So even if that guy was faithful all the way, Noah built the ark for 150 years, uh, 50 years and stopped what would his inheritance be? He would be cut off. He would have been drowned with the rest of them. It's those that endure to the end. So it says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find him so doing. We've been given a stewardship. We have been given a call. And the work of a faithful servant is one that continues to do it. Even though it may look like the Lord's delaying his coming. I thought he was going to be here a week ago. I thought it wouldn't be so long. I thought, I thought, I thought. The faithful man is the one that God is looking for. The faithful man is the one that is doing what the call has laid out. The unfaithful servant, he gets tired. He wants to start doing some other things. Things that he hasn't heard from the eternal call. Things that he hasn't been taught in the instruction or the plan of that eternal call, he begins to wander. I can't go in and take the land. I think Moses, no, I, that's too stupid. I, I don't think circumcision. I don't want to do that. I'm tired of being in the church. I'm that—that's unfaithfulness. The faithful man who's heard the call of God says, "Whatever it comes, I will remain faithful until until the rain comes." See, Noah was faithful until when? Until the day that God said, "That's enough." and he gets into the boat. So there needs to be a faithfulness and not just an infatuation. Infatuations, oh, we're out of Egypt, praise God, you know, Pharaoh's a jerk. To where, oh, faithfulness, I need to respond to the Lord. I need to give my life to him. I need to I need to do the work that God has called. And I believe, like I said, we are now ark builders. I believe God has given us a work. And our life needs to be centered around, mentality needs to be centered around, thinking around doing that work. Our speech, our life needs to be sober-minded. And I need to be test-tasting everything that I'm thinking about and speaking about because it's so easy to just start eating and drinking and beating the other servants because it all looks the same. There's two in the field. Which one's going? Well, the one whose heart is in a different place. The one who's... Hearing that eternal call, yeah, remain faithful to the call and the vocation. It would, to me, it would be impossible to serve God without a vocation, without a call. See, and this is where we kind of we kind of get these funny ideas. We're just called of God. I don't believe God ever called people to a call. Noah, you're righteous. Noah, I if you have found favor in my sight, this is the work I've called you to do. He received grace, as we talked about last week. Then the call comes. Okay, We see Abraham found grace in God's sight. Then the call comes. We see David, and then the call. We see all these things happen. And I believe we found grace in the sight of the Lord by his mercy. Today we're celebrating that our sins are forgiven. Today we're celebrating that Jesus is, is Lord of all, King of kings, and He's redeemed us. Well, that's good. But now, let us go on to build the work. And I want us to look at what that work would be. Okay, we talked last couple of weeks ago about the mystery that's working. And in Second Thessalonians, there's, there's like I said, there's two mysteries at work. The, the Thessalonians... The, Second Thessalonians says that there's a mystery of iniquity already at work. We're living just like in the days of Noah. The mystery of iniquity is at work. What is that iniquity? Your self-life. Doing everything you want to do without the call of God. You might be picking up manna. But when the eternal voice comes to you in a very specific way, circumcise your family... Go in and take the land at that specific moment, Luther says. At that specific moment, if you do not respond to that, you have forsaken God's call. You might go out tomorrow and pick up manna, but you have not allowed your mind to be changed to deny yourself and say, let's go up at once and take that land. That statement alone separated those two. And for 40 years, the children of Israel went in unbelief with a hardness of heart, served God and missed the call of God and these two went in. Because at that point they said, God has called us. We'll go out and pick up manna. We'll be at, we'll be at church Sunday. But I understand there is something far better and greater here that at work. I give my life to this. And if we do not, I think we need to apprehend that. We need to apprehend the call and say, this is what I am called to. And I believe our our speech needs to revolve around that. Our life needs to be... see, at some point, I've got to become an ark builder. I've got to love what I'm doing. I've got to embrace death. I've got to say, you know, I'm not just... How long can you tread water? You know. A lot of us are treading water. Get in the boat. God saying come with me. I've got a plan. And it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to have to be faithful. You know what faithful people get most of the time? Overlooked. Kicking the teeth. Not recognized. And the Bible actually makes a point of that. It's the uncomely people, it's the flakes that get more attention than the good people. Have you ever noticed that? How come they're getting all attention? Where sin abounds, grace is more abound. The uncomely parts of the body are put in there just to annoy you. Oh, I've been serving faithfully. Well, you just blew it. Yeah. Keep serving. Do you love me? Serve. See, infatuation's got to change. At some point, I've got to think the same thing. See, I was, I was, I was working with, with a couple of carpenters, and it really bothered me. I mean, they were very good, and they did a good work. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to do that. But their thinking... They only know how to think square. And to me, I can work... Now, I'm not, I'm not justifying one way or the other, because I can... They you know, said, this isn't square. I said, so what? I can fix this. They said, we can't do that. And I quickly came to learn that I could not do anything unless for them to work with me unless I did it their way, because they could not think like that. They were only programmed to think one way. And the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And I always thought that meant, okay, we agree, yes. No, there has to be the same plan. See, there has to be an agreement on how I'm going to do this. And at some point, I'm going to have to wrap my mind around the call that God has. Because if I'm building out a square, these guys cannot come and work with it. And somewhere along the line, I have to say, God, you are the master builder. And also in the church, God puts builders, master builders. And it's your job to get your mind wrapped around their plan. And then see a real happy amen. Yeah, because that's going to cost me. And so, me as the master builder, see, I'm the master. I was paying them. Guess what I had to do? I had to get my mind around how they built in order to get the work done. And now God is saying to us, get your mind around it because it's the mind that's going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God's speaking to you today. Get circumcised. Not a arousing amen. There's some things God wants to speak to us in our daily life. He's going to come right in the way, right in your life. And you're going to be just like everybody else in the field, reaping wheat, maybe fishing, maybe collecting taxes, he's going to say, stop that. Come with me. Oh, I just love God. Now again, coming down, a calling and vocation have to be together. I don't see anywhere in the the Scripture where someone is just called and just, I'm called you to deliver the children of Israel. I've called you to set the law. I've called you to preach to the Gentiles. I've called you to work with this person. I've called you to... That calling needs to take place in my life. Two, have to agree. See, I think about this you know, a lot. You know, the feelings change. Remember when, you know, when I remember when I was younger, I used to feel a lot of stuff. I wanted to feel in love. I remember when I first saw my wife, who wasn't my wife then, it was just like, oh, this is this infatuation. I said, wow, who is this beautiful lady? I mean, I said this in my mind, and I thought, oh, she's just too good for me. Someone else, there was all a bunch of young bucks around. And um, I said, "Oh, someone's going to sweep her off her feet." I'm just—I w- I was pretty, not too good. And nobody—nobody uh, nobody snatched her up, you know. And uh, I said, "Boy, I don't know what the deal is here." You know, she, I didn't like her at first either because she was a snot. <laughs> I mean, I, that was—I don't—I don't—I don't know if she was or not, but anybody who had it together could walk and chew gum at the same time. And People that chew gum anyway—that was un- unholy. And uh, there she goes. And I just figured she was... I, 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 I figured she was like the cheerleader type. Do you know the cheerleader type in high school? Eh, didn't like them. Because, anyway, that was all in my brain. I never, I never talked to her, never met her. You know, I just, how many people know, have some things in your brain you've decided about me? How many of have some people that have some things in your brain you've decided about the ark? The call of God. What you will and will not do. What God would ask me to do. If God wanted me to do it, He'll have it done, Abraham. I got a job for you. Wow. Paul took that too. Yeah, he he, he circumcised Timothy. Getting real. See, the work's got to get real. Without reality, we're just living in the in the ozone. We're like you know the people who tithe. You You know you know the joke. Basically, the end of the joke is there's three there's. Got the the three ministers one says I throw the money up whatever falls on the cross I give it to God I throw it up whatever falls outside the cross I keep the other says I just throw it up whatever God wants he takes and a lot of our life is like that well I'm just serving God I don't see the ark getting done I don't see any obedience I don't see any talking I don't see any circumcision I don't see any blood I don't see any mind being changed I don't see you stop building unsquare and building square even though you don't like that I want to see some change now the change might not come, except that I'm working faithfully till the Lord comes back. And until he, he comes back, then I keep doing what I've been asked to do. And it says, "Noah kept building until the day the Lord shut the door. Or you can just I, mean, I, just, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I've been faithful to this circumcision. I think the guy' asking a little too much, that's exactly what he wants, faithfulness. Okay, here we go. Jim used to preach about having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. We don't know why we're being hammered. We don't understand that. You continue to serve faithfully. And in so doing, then God will meet you. It's going to come to lay down your life. It's going to come to stop that. It's going to come to change some things. But you need to hear that. And that's going to change your life. It's a mystery. The people in the field, you can't, okay, who's going to be taken? I don't see any difference. God knows. And the mystery needs to be hid in our heart. So the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The mystery of selfishness is already at work. The mystery of disobedience is already at work. Remember, the love of many is going to grow cold because of iniquity, lawlessness. I just don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to be told what to do anymore. I don't think that's God. I don't want... Foolishness! We have been called of God and that's what our life is supposed to be and that's what we need to be talking about, thinking about, and provoking one another to love and good works. It's time to build the ark. I'm tired. I know you're tired. Let's go out and do it and tired anyway. All right. I, don't, I, I just don't feel like that. I was, well, amen. I was talking about my wife. Anyway, I went through the, the immediate hate infatuation until we got to the love infatuation. And it was the weirdest thing she was working we, we worked in a potato barn it was an ugly disgusting cold place and she was looking she had what? this cute little hat and uh, I turned to her and I said I need you to work here all the time she said oh yes as if it was the Taj Mahal well infatuation quickly changed because according to me my wife doesn't know how to cook I'm Arminian. We know about food. There's only a certain way to eat, make eggs. And she went, I think next morning she tried to make me breakfast or something. Yeah, and I said, you're doing it wrong or something like that. And I don't know what. The anyway, I realized she was the cheerleader. <laughs> but now, two walk together. They agree. Wouldn't it be terrible if my wife was a spendaholic? I mean, she just credit card. She's not like that. My wife's life has become an embarrassment to me. (laughs) And I mean that in a good way. My wife has taken me on as a ministry. It's more than she can handle. Her life revolves around me. Did you hear it? Who does he think he is? I think I'm the biggest jerk in the world. I'm not talking about me. I'm praising my wife. She's the one with the problem. She's made me the center of my her life, not me. She's taken on a ministry of ridiculous proportions. Some others did that, maybe with Paul. They served him faithfully, even under death. They would visit him. They would do the. Well, he does he think he is? He thinks he's nobody. Who do they think he is? He's God's man, and I am called to serve. Then I serve. And their lives were changed, not so much his. And we're so caught up with ourselves, we don't see that. My wife is is always, always. First thing she does is always want to take care of me. Now, I'm not, you know, there's, there's there's some stuff that goes on. Life goes on, but she's adapting mentality yeah. she makes some of the best pasta eggs that I know of, she doesn't even like pasta man, and you don't even know what it is <laughs> but I'm trying to get the idea that God please take my life and make it a saver for you, it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be, it's going to be this, now she, we've had our fights I mean there was times I didn't think we were going to make it, times I was hoping we didn't make it I said, "Please take just just leave, man. Get out of here." She reminded me the other day. She said, "She broke a window one time, we're having a fight or something." I don't remember that. We had some good ones. She's Scottish. I'm Armenian. But now we realize it was not all about us. Just like when I marry people, you are called by God. I don't really care what you like or don't like. Matter of fact, I do. You need to like what God has told you to like. And he's going to tell you very clearly what to like. You don't like pig meat. Yeah, that's a tough one. Glad I'm not Jewish. You know. There's some things that come down. Oh, well, I don't. Well, then you're probably not called. See, at some point I'm going to have to start, you know, I got to love my wife. I've got to say, this is what, there must be something there. I've got to change. She's going to have to start loving me instead of, instead of thinking I'm just a total idiot. i am not gotten any better, really, at combing my hair, but she's gotten a little better at not nagging about it. Matter of fact, this morning she came down, I just got done doing it. Doesn't look good. And she said, Your hair is a mess. I said, Yeah, I forgot to put gel in it. That was it. That could have been a you know a, a big deal before. I know. Oh, that's ridiculous. Who gets in fights over that? <laughs> you know, rarely do it does. So he come down and says, uh, 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 I don't believe the evidence of uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. We've never gotten a fight about that. Never gotten a fight of you know what tithing means. Never gotten a fight about the, the great spiritual things. I got in a fight. know I could just see his kids at Noah and his kids. You know what they got in a fight about in doing the work that God has called them to do. You want to avoid confrontation. You want to avoid problems. Pull out of the work of God. Pull out of the work of God. You won't have to hear you. You're not coming near with him with that knife. Boy, what an idiot that old man was. He was you know what he was trying to do? How you know Noah, that guy? He thought he heard God. You thought, yeah, I heard about that guy, Jesus, preaching. Turn the other cheek. I'd like to see him try that. Oh, you foolish person. Oh, you person that thinks so much of yourself, you can't hear the eternal voice of God. He's going to come in a way that you don't expect. He's going to come and circumcise your heart. He's going to come and ask you to do things that will be like, Why? Not the things He could care less. I think he cares less about the things, but it's only through those things can he grab hold of me. Yeah, that's right. yeah, the mystery of God. Do we love him? Has God called me? Then drop all and start being conformed to his image that he has sent to you. Paul says, "I'm a, as a master builder, I'm t- showing you the blueprint. Now it's up to you to build. Build the way I've told you. Now he comes back to the Corinthians and, and says, this, is, this closet doesn't belong here. You are building the wrong thing. Well, who do you think you are? It doesn't matter what I think. What do you think, Noah? Abraham, what do you think? Saul, what do you think? Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the son of the living God. Speak on! Nah, I don't. You have not, you have resisted. You have become hard-hearted to hear the voice of God. Now, in Egypt, I think they ate just about everything they wanted to eat. I mean, they ate frog. I mean, it was just everything was weird there, you know. And here they come out. I mean, they're practically Egyptians. I mean, they've been there for 400 years. They've been assimilated. They probably knew how to speak Egyptian. Their customs and cultures was the same. And now God is going to say, serve me. Hallelujah. We wiped them. We showed them. What are we going to do, God? No more eating pork. That was our favorite thing. Well, if all you see is that, we miss God. See. God wants to meet with us in the way. He's going to meet with us in this thing called life. And we're going to keep we're going to be marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking, but there's going to be a difference. Because outside of picking up manna, we're going to be talking about one another and said, wait a minute, that's not the way you were told to build. I'm sorry, you can't. You should not do that. Wait a minute have you been called of God then put that pork sandwich down wait have you been called of God then stop spending your money that way have you been called of God then put another layer of tar on that ark have you been called of God then oh well no I'm just called of God how do you serve him I serve him in my own way that stinks I think the sons of Aaron wanted to do that they wanted to serve God in their own way God said, I am not happy about that. Smote him dead. Whoa. Ananias and Sapphira, they kind of had that same problem. They kind of wanted to do their own thing. I am a holy God, and I have called you to a work. We are to be that ark being built. In the midst of just in the days of Noah, so forth, there should be a church being built. That going, ah, man, they might There might not be any children born in Noah's house for 120 years! And on that day, when their work was finished, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. When I mean faithfulness, there was fighting, and there was arguing, and there was this, and there was disappointment, and there was hurt. But you know what? They continued on doing it until the day that God said, it's enough. And we are to be that ark in this world shining as a light that says, man, those guys are a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of fools but I I think Aaron kind of tells me he has a lot of dealing He says when people talk about gospel I should say those people know how to work when they tell you something they they do it they might be pretty weird but they have a name I like to hear stories like that there's a mystery at work Colossians because I want to get to the central theme of what I'm talking about there needs to be a faithful serving and that ser- the faithful man, the faithful servant, the blessed servant, what's he going to do? He's going to be doing what he told to do. Agreeing is easy. Agreeing is easy. Starting the race is easy. I always love watching people get married. I want to tell them you dopes. They're up here with such high hopes. Oh, yes, I promise to love you and obey you. Oh, and then I says, I believe you just like the children of Israel said, yes, we want to serve God. Joshua says, you're not going to be able to do it. It's a great plan. God is going to take us and meet us in life and He's going to break us so that His purpose can be fulfilled in our lives. Yeah, one of the great promises in the Bible, they that are married are going to have problems in the flesh. I rarely have a problem with my wife in the Spirit. We're In the flesh there's a lot of problems. Yeah. Even at our when we're even trying to help one another, it's a bad deal. But God's got a great purpose and it's at work in you. First uh, Colossians chapter one. We already talked about the mystery of iniquity a little bit, it's at work, but we now need to be lights in the world and know that this mystery, the mystery of the ark, what is Noah doing? what do those people do in church? Why do you spend so much time? How come you do that? What are they doing over there? Why would they build that giant building? There's only six people that go to church there. You know. Why do they follow the guy from the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul said, good. at least they're talking about the gospel. It's a good thing. Colossians chapter 1, 26. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations is now made manifest in the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of His mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the the hope of glory. It's a mystery. When I read that, you go, I don't see it. That's the difference. It's a mystery. Do you believe God is going to finish that ark? Do you believe circumcision is some kind of eternal covenant? Do you believe that you, have, you saw Jesus on the road to Damascus do you believe that you've been called the church here? do you believe wait a minute if Christ in us the hope of glory then what do you believe how many people believe the word of God amen amen yeah throw it up God once he takes it do you believe Christ in you not you Christ someone was talking about this morning is Jesus here in our midst this morning then, if Christ in you the hope of glory, how should we be looking at one another? How should we best be serving one another? How faithful am I carrying on in the call that God has called me to do? Christ in you the hope of well. Have you ever watched people worship and judge them? Anybody here like that besides me in the church? Uh-huh. Uh huh. They, they can't do that. I, I watched the way I. Wa- I know what they did. Forgive them, the blood of Jesus Christ. Now doesn't mean we don't speak to it, but it means pull out the blueprint. There is a blueprint, and then there's an interpretation of the blueprint, if you would. See, there's a general building. See, I am building a building. I cannot build my building according to the building code alone. It's impossible. I can't do it. If I would go to the town and say, can I do They'd say, no, you can't do that. They, you know what they first want from me? Before, no, before they want the money. <laughs> Good point. Good point. We can go off on that. The first thing they want to see is, what do you think they want to see? They have the master plan. They want to see my blueprint. They want to see my plan to see if my plan will be copacetic or will going agree with their plan. But their plan means nothing. And if you ask him, he won't tell you anything. He says, let me see your plans. Okay. And many of us are trying to build according to the universal building code. You can't do it. How could you possibly do it unless there's a plan? Unless there's a way of showing love. Unless there's a way of building the ark. Unless there's a way of manifesting faith. The universal building code means nothing the plan so paul says as a wise master builder i'm laying the foundation this is the way we do this do you hear that call three sons and three wives heard the call you know what they did they built the what they built the plan not the call of god and i believe we need to return to that place where we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ we're not ashamed of circumcising our family, we're not ashamed of having an opinion, we're not ashamed that, you know, there's certain things, me and my wife couldn't get along real well if we didn't like the same things there's got to come a place that actually my mind gets around being the same, to where we start to actually like the same things, we think the same way we say, well you know what, in order for me to complete this work, I don't do that I put that, And at first it was a great work. Now it's like I've fallen in love with it. There needs to be like saying, oh, I have a plan. That's what I need to do. So the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see that? If you don't see it, that's too bad. Keep serving faithfully as you do see it, as if you did see it. I'm going to get through this. I know I'm going along. 16, Romans 16, because i got to get to this point. If I, have, if I don't, I'm never going to get to the jumping off point. been that way for several weeks now. 16, 25 Romans. Christ in you. Remember that. There's a great mystery at work. The mystery is, when this boat gets done, we're going to be saved. There's a great mystery. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. These people are all dopes. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Then I continue to love Him. It's His plan, not my plan. And there's certain things I've got to learn to start liking, because that's what God has asked me to like. There's certain things that I put away, because that's what God, and that changes me. So you could have a good marriage, even though you don't like one another eventually something's going to happen. You could have a good church even though they're filled with the off-scouring of this world. Because my mind believes what he said. The plan. Romans 16:25 Under him that is under him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept since the beginning of the world. There's a mystery that needs to be understood through how? Well, he tells you now. He says, the gospel that I laid out to you and my preaching reveals the mystery. You cannot know it any other way. It's kind of like having a code book. You know, you look at that and say, oh, without that code book, You don't know the mystery. It's kind of like a combination lock. If you don't have the combination, you're not going to be able to undo it. As soon as you leave the plan, the blueprint, this looks pretty stupid. That's why Moses, when he had to keep watch over those building the temple, do it like this, do it like this, do it like this, had to be, we need the code book. And we're going to get to what that code book is. God puts that in the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of faithful serving. So the mystery has to be revealed through the preaching and the revealing of the mystery. We all, we've we read this enough, I won't read it again, but it's sown in corruption. 1 Corinthians 15. It doesn't look like it's What is this? This seems you are not here to interpret. You are here to serve and you are here to obey and here to believe. You're to be lights in a dark world. Now, I want to go to First Timothy because this makes a makes a correlation between the mystery and God's plan of how that is to work out. First uh, Timothy chapter three verse fifteen. But if I carry long that thou mayest know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, without without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached of gentiles, believed on in the world, and received of the glory. Now, it says if I carry, it's obviously not there. Giving some instruction, it says I'm writing to you so you know how to behave yourself. What's the word? What does behave mean? I know you're smarter than that. Come on. How you act. How should you act in the house of God? Well, is this the house of God or are we the house of God? How then ought should you, how should you act? Well, I, 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 I behave. You behave, amen. I picked up manna today. You could still not be behaving correctly. So, how you ought to behave in the house of God. I believe we're here to help one another behave faithfully according to the call that God has called me to do. Behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church. This is God's plan. He's revealing to us His plan. Have you ever realized why so much comes against you and your thoughts and against the church and in working together and being one? Because it's God's plan. This very thing that's sown in corruption that looks ridiculous, that's a mystery, it's hidden in a field, it's hidden earthen vessels, it's got all this stuff, is a mystery to work in you faith that God would be glorified. But is, is the the house of God which is the church of the living God which is the pillar and ground of the truth and we know in, 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 in it talks about that unto him be glory in the church world without end God's plan in this time the ark of this age is his church and he's called men and women together that will respond to the eternal call and says build my ark it is not just an organization. It's not just a bunch of stupid people. It's not just this. It is maybe hidden in that. But if you believe what I have called that is the groundwork and the pillar of the truth, it is the way God is going to speak to you, it is where God has called you to serve, it is where God is going to move, Is where God is going to preach, Is where your life is going to be changed, Is where you're hearing the eternal call, then I'm going to view that differently. And I realize that this is where I have been called to faithfully serve. Shape me, O God. Shape me, O God, through all this faithful serving, through all these questions, so that I might see faith that says, O God, it's you that called me. Whether you've been born here, whether you've been brought here, whether you have problems, whether not interested in any shape or form. What God is interested in saying, when I come back, are you doing? What I asked you to do. Are you building my church? I didn't ask you to judge it. I didn't ask you to. Th- I asked you to serve it, and in so doing, you're going to come up against things that are going to change your behavior, because two cannot walk together unless they agree. See, before I was saved, I was. A, I mean, before I was saved, I was. I was a very strict vegetarian. My wife was like, what's that governor up in Alaska now? You know, hunter, fisher, you know, eating moose. Ah! Chewing gum. I didn't know what we were going to do. We never we never talked about it. You know. Praise God, I eat meat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. But I remember my wife, used, you know, I, I was into this trip, you know. Wouldn't drink coffee. Can you believe it? <laughs> Wow. I only drank herbal tea. <laughs> My wife was so cute. We'd go someplace. Can I have an? Yes, I'll have a herbal tea. You know what she ordered? Herbal tea. She heard, hated herbal tea. She tried to get her mind around it. Yeah, there were some things. Is that important? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm not hanging around people that do things I don't like. I mean, come on, be honest. Oh, amen? Yeah. You hang around people that, you know. No. Not, not, not in that way of comment, not, not in building. So there's got to be a place that says, oh, I'm willing to lay some things down for something greater than me. Oh, I've got to start liking some different things. I've got to start changing some different things. Yeah, I love a great steak now.
1: Man, I, I you know,
0: I love coffee. My wife loves me. She, like I said, she loves serving me. The first thought in the day is how can I serve him. Through the day, she's finding out, makes me just all kinds of stuff. You know, it's not big stuff, but boy, it'd be a drag if she didn't do it. Make your own lunch, you dirty slob. How come the house isn't done yet? Can't you do anything right? No, no. Well, she's got to love that. yeah. Are you willing to embrace him who looks unlovely? Is the call of God greater than your infatuation? I thought my husband was always going to be. You thought wrong. My wife was. No, she isn't. (laughs) I have a great. The church was. I thought by now. No, you got another 20 years. Keep building. And in all that, we have the great task of Rejoice evermore. And in so doing, we will become preachers of righteousness. And guess what? We'll start liking one another because we'll start liking the same things. Wouldn't it be nice to actually agree on some stuff? I show you I don't have to do that. I don't want to, you know, I just... What a drag. What a drag. Are you getting what I'm saying? Well, now we're going to look at the pillar of the truth is the church. And God is focusing on you as his body, and that's where he's going to speak. And I believe in in our relationship outside of manna, we need to say, let's go up and take the land at once. There's some things I'm gonna have to get my mind around. And as we're talking at the potluck, as we're talking at work, as we're talking at school, as we're talking at home, they need to be reminded, wait a minute, that's not according to the blueprint. there comes discipleship. There comes real love. Yeah. Amen? All right. We have got a picnic. Let's do it. Amen.